to Solid Steps Radio. This is Kurt Souter, and uh, typically I've got a good buddy, Chad Russell, who we have been doing this show called Solid Steps Radio for the last eight-plus years. But Chad is out of town, and I am thrilled to have uh, his uh, a side a new sidekick in for this week. And uh, Mike Beck, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kurt. I feel like I've been called up from the minor <laughs> leagues. I'm now in the big leagues. Uh, yeah, right. Batting fifth. Yeah. <laughs> Listeners, you hear Mike's voice a lot on Pure Radio, and uh, it's a joy to have Mike. And uh, we're going to it, – it's our honor and privilege to have uh, – Pastor Tony Rose, some of you have heard Tony on the radio for a number of years, and so Tony, welcome to the show. Uh, Kurt's great to be here with you guys, been looking forward to it, and looking forward to seriousness and serious fun today. <laughs> so uh, we do laugh on this show, we, we, Amen. we believe that laughter is like good medicine, and uh, so we're gonna, we will laugh, but we, we got some, some serious stuff that we need to talk about. Typically, listeners... You know, we're us guys, this is a show for men by men, and we want to talk about the things that are of eternal importance. We're good at sports weather and talk and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but uh, God wants us to talk about, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and the things that are really going to matter, things that are going to matter for eternity. So it's our privilege, Mike and I, we're just going to start picking your brain, Tony. But one of the things, you, you've been a pastor for how many years? Well, the last pastor was LaGrange Baptist Church out in Oldham County. There was a little over 26 years there and about eight years experience in ministry on staff at other churches and a couple of pastorates before. So you've been around the block a few times? A little bit. And uh, so now what, what, what's the Lord got, uh, have you doing right now? Well, about 15 years ago, I discovered that if you stay in one place for a long time and turn bald and gray, which I qualified in all three categories, people begin to think you know something. And younger pastors started calling me, and I started giving counsel and encouragement, coaching and advice, and it stuck. And it just became kind of a go-to thing for me. And then due to some past experience in my own life, uh, mental and emotional issues were a real focus of my pastoral ministry. And I helped tons of guys and their wives, Joey and I did, through episodes of depression specifically. And through that, ended up chairing a committee for the Southern Baptist Convention on the mental health in the church. And so now what I do is I'm basically self-employed. And I give coaching and counsel to pastors, church planners, and workers all over the country. And even beyond, right? Yeah, I, I have a lot of work in Canada, and I don't have much on the international field anymore. Um, that was generated by my church partnership in Central Asia and my kids living there, but they've moved home too. So, But what I love about is uh, the wealth of experience that you're going to share with our listeners today. So I asked you a while back, um, hey, what do, what do you love to talk about? What are you dealing with people as you over the years? And you said what? Yeah, well, your listeners may hang up right now because they're like, who's this weird guy he's got on the radio? <laughs> said, well, I love to talk about depression, men particularly, because we never talk about it. And the reason I said it, uh, at least that's one thing I said to you, was because I have never given an exposition of scripture, Psalm 42 is my favorite just about for that, that I did not have a great response to the listeners either in the radio audience or the present audience with me. 
And I knew I was ringing a bell that rang true with God's people where we weren't speaking to the depth of their soul enough. So when you hear that, Mike, what, what comes to your mind, what, what he just said? I, I think there are a lot of people that, that struggle with even being able to talk about depression, much less face it and address the issues that are at the core of the depression problem. Uh, and, and in some ways that becomes the impediment to ever getting to healing is because they don't know how to start the conversation. They don't know where to begin. So is that something that you facilitate? You help people begin to walk through that? Yes. For lack of a better term in the church, what I try to do is normalize depression and the terminology that goes around it. Uh, we typically have demonized it. Uh, or made it sub-Christian, as if if you're a Christian and you get depressed, there is really something wrong with your faith. And most of the time, depression isn't a spiritual issue at all. It's physiological, psychological. So normalize it doesn't mean everybody gets it, but it does mean since Adam and Eve fell, depression, certain mental maladies have been with us throughout all humanity. So it's normal. It's not something to be ashamed of. When you tell men that, that it's, it's not something to be ashamed of, what, what, what do you see? Um, two things. One, the men who have just been blessed in life, uh, their character's strong, their business is good, their faith is good, um, they kind of roll their eyes. And then the second one is tears. For a man who's gone through depression with his wife or gone through it himself. And he's seen how devastating, and it just sucks the oxygen out of your very soul. And if you've never been there, it's hard to believe it does exist. But if you have, you will never doubt how dastardly and deadly it can be. Well, you you mentioned Psalm 42, Mm -hmm. and there's a phrase that's repeated several times. What is that phrase? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Hope thou in God, for I will again praise him. Is that the one you were thinking about? Yep, that's it. I mean, yeah, and he repeats it several times in Mm -hmm. Psalm 42 and Psalm 43. Why are you downcast, O my soul? There's, There's the psalmist is struggling. He is struggling deeply. If you read that in the details and look at the original language, I think it was Martin Lloyd Jones I first read about that psalm. He said, We have got to stop listening to ourselves talk and start talking to ourselves. And that's exactly, he got it from David in Psalm 42, or the author of Psalm 42. He didn't listen to all the troubles that were around him, that he was in a captive land, that he was sad. He told himself this, my soul is really downcast. Why? Hope in God. I one day again will praise him. Because the one thing depression, when it's bad, takes away is hope, and that's like taking your oxygen away. Well, so when you're when you're talking with um, guys who are mm-hmm. struggling with this, or maybe their wife or someone they love, wh- what do you help them? What what do you what do you say to them to help them? Besides, turn to scripture. Besides, you know, you know, talked about Psalm forty two. Yeah, I think the first two and maybe the most important things. One is I can speak a language they understand because I've been there, and I've been there more than once. Uh, Maybe we'll have time to talk about that later. The other is an extreme tenderness. When someone's soul is crushed at that level, 
the last thing they need to be told from a fellow believer is to repent, read your Bible more, pray more. Buck up. Yeah, there ain't no buck lift. (laughs) Isn't that part of the problem of the church, though, is that we have excused or, or explained away depression to a degree that when people admit that they're struggling with it, it not only becomes a personal failure, it's also a spiritual failure, and that's more debilitating in some ways. Yeah, that's a great insight. Um, we have spiritualized a lot of mental and emotional maladies. And what it is, it's an ignorance of our own humanity. We forget the obvious. We live not in Eden, but in a fallen creation. And we are part of that creation. So we don't think anybody's um, weak because they have a broken arm and can't play in the ball game this weekend. But somebody that says, I'm depressed, I can't make it to church, we typically would roll our eyes and say, oh, you're pretty weak, aren't you? Yeah, that, that's interesting. If, if somebody just broke their hip and had shattered their leg, um, we'd say, yeah, we, we, give, them, we give them an out. And we, and, and we give grace. Very much. And we pray over them. We give them food. And we <laughs> Amen. <laughs> that's right. But when someone is struggling mentally and struggling through depression, we really can be judgmental. Well, and maybe is it also because we're afraid because we don't understand it? You know, if I break my arm, I know what that is intellectually, and I know that it's going to heal. Depression is much more amorphous. I can't point to it, and I can't tell you where the end of it is going to be. And so we... We kind of run away from those things because we don't have the answers. We do not like the unknown, and we don't like answerless experiences. The, the, the whole mystery piece of you know, when you read Psalm 42, there's a lot of mystery to that. Yes. And um, we, we in America, we're not really all into mystery. No, we're not. I can give you my favorite Eugene Peterson quote about that. He said, we go to seminary. To learn how to get rid of mystery and mess. But the truth is a pastor has to live in and teach his people to live in the mess and deal with the mystery. Mm, That's good. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, Mike. We're going to be uh, take a break here, and uh, we'll be right back on Solid Steps Radio. Hadley Sign Solutions. Owner Chris Hadley has 35 years' experience in design, manufacturing, and the installation of commercial exterior electrical signage. He can help promote your business in Kentucky and southern Indiana. Call him at 502-419-7228. That's 419-7228. Or you can email him at HadleySignSolutions at gmail.com. That's HadleySignSolutions. Dan Hart Financial, if you want to retire or want to talk about retirement, Whether you're a year away or 20 years away, Dan Hart can sit down, come up with your plan that you uh, need to have, or talk about your plan that you have in place and see if it's a good fit. Dan Hart Financial. Welcome back to Solid Steps Radio. I'm Mike Beck. Chris Outer is here. Of course, this is your show. What am I doing here? Well, it's great to have you, Mike. I'm so happy to be here. It, it's, it's, it truly is an honor. Thank you for asking me to kind of step in for a chat. I appreciate that. No, it, we uh, Chad and I have a blast, and it's great to have you, and uh, really, truly. And it's great to have Tony. Yes. Tony is. Rose, 
Good to be here. You, we, you know, we we talked in the last segment about depression and the struggle and Psalm 42 and tying in the psalmist, but you have a personal story. Mm-hmm. Why don't you share that with our listeners? I will condense it as much as possible. <laughs> when I was in college, I was able to pay for most of my college playing sports. Uh, grew up in a man's world, didn't display a lot of outward emotion, went to college, Western Kentucky University, and uh, played football there. And um, during that time, a good friend of mine named Peter Walters came on our football team. He's a year younger than I am. He's the first Christian my age I had ever really seen walk with Jesus. He had such an influence on my life. I don't do anything in ministry that Pete's thumbprint's not on. Mm. Wow. We're still close friends. Talk to him about once a month. Um, I don't like him, though. He's a beast of a man. It makes me look like a worm. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, we started going to, I started going to church with him. uh, And I didn't know it then, but the church was a bit fundamentalistic, legalistic. And I have a very black and white personality. And what began as what I thought was a spiritual problem was actually obsessive thinking. I got obsessed about was I saved or was I not saved. Over time, I dealt with it. And then when we had children, I was a pastor. All kinds of thoughts started going through my mind. I thought I was, I didn't know what was going on. And then I started the downhill slope of depression. Now, lots of things happen. That's the nutshell. And if anybody's tasted it, they already know what I'm talking about. I was so bad off. My wife, we had three little girls at the time. I was 32. My wife thought I probably had a brain tumor or something. I couldn't get out of the bed. Went four straight nights without sleep, but I couldn't sleep. I just laid there. And she had to call, get a supply preacher. Yeah, I was a pastor and totally ashamed. Drove us home 20-some hours, me and the three kids. And I found out I was in the throes of depression, having no idea what it was. I was scared to death. I couldn't breathe. I didn't want to be alone. I didn't want to be with people. Um, And it brought me all the way to the edge of death is better than life. Wow. And so, okay, when you got to that point, then what? Well, we were clueless at the time and just started begging God for help. And God gave my wife amazing grace. Um, Most women would have packed the kids up and said, call me when you get better. I'll be back then. But she stayed. She loved me and helped me find help. And uh, we ended up going to a Christian counselor. And I was so ashamed to go to see a counselor. He was on a university campus close to where our church was. And we had students at the university so I wanted to wear camouflage and duck behind the bushes to get to his office because I was afraid somebody would see me in there. Then when I met him the first time, he's colorblind. And this is South Florida. He hadn't seen the sun in 13 years. He looked like Casper the Friendly Ghost in unmatched clothes. <laughs> now I know that God has a sense of humor because that's not what I would have picked. Because I had a way, you got to look right. So... He was the first one that ever gave us an ounce of hope. How did, what did he say to give you an ounce of hope? Actually, it gave Joey an ounce of hope, and I drew off hers. Mm. What he said exactly was this. I understand your husband. 
I've been where he is. I can help him. There is no training helping someone through the malady of depression like going through it yourself. It cannot be fully explained in clinical terms. We don't have a vocabulary vast enough. What you're, what you're describing is 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Oh, that's, what, <laughs> that's why that is a core. It's one of my camping spots in Scripture, what I call it. Uh, it's also the, the comfort verse as a parent for children because we we have suffered. I mean, we've suffered deeply. And by the way, the caregiver suffers just as much, sometimes more than the one who's suffering from depression. We need to always remember that. But God has always been faithful. I have no story of if you'll follow these seven steps and two principles, you'll come overcome depression in eight weeks. That's for people who aren't really depressed. We throw that word out way too easily. What I can say is God's faithful. And it's true when Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. So so he gave hope to Joey, your wife, and you were drawing off of that. Mm-hmm. What, what were some beginning steps that began to help you move out of that? Uh, the first one was I could get up and cut my own grass. And in Florida, we lived in a little duplex, and it took me 18 minutes to cut my grass with a 20-inch push mower. That was my first physical accomplishment to get my mind out of my own head. Mm. What, what was it like? Was it like getting that first ray of sunshine? Was, because I've heard people describe depression, and I've, I've faced it, but I don't think I've been to, the, to the, the valley that you've been in, and that's okay. But what, did you recognize something different was beginning for you, or was it just you could breathe again? something that simple. That's a good description, but it happens so slowly for some. If you do get a breath, you may chase whatever it was that you thought gave you that breath because you're dying for the next one and afraid it won't come back. So it's an experience so severe that you're scared to try, you're scared not to try. It's like John Bunyan and Pilgrim, uh, not Pilgrim's Progress, Grace Abounding, he said, live, I cannot, die, I dare not. That's mm. where I was. Wow. And so, okay, so you mow the yard. At the same time, you're continuing to get counseling. Mm-hmm. And may, may I just say a word here to mm-hmm. our listeners? Counseling can be a wonderful, wonderful gift. From Without question. Um, I, I'm just going to put a plug in here for you, Tony. Tony, you and Joey have been a blessing to my wife and I and to uh, a, what a blended family and just helping us walk through. And I just say thank you. Um, and so, listeners, you, if you need counseling, just humble yourself and say, I need help. Well, there, there's something that I think people miss about the character and nature of God. And in the Godhead, when God introduces us to the Holy Spirit— one of his titles is counselor. Mm-hmm. And yet so many in the church run from even the very word as if it's somehow uh, stigmatized or associated with dark demonic things. Not, not to say that there can't be perhaps spiritual causes in certain cases, but the vast majority of it isn't. And that God would 
identify himself as a counselor mm-hmm. should bring us great hope. Well, and the Holy Spirit's called the Comforter in the New Testament. Yes. So he's called alongside us to encourage us, lift us up. And as far as worried about seeing the devil in the counselor's office, I've seen the devil in the pulpit several times. So <laughs> worried about that. I saw him in the mirror last week. <laughs> he scared me to death. Tony, how did you give our listeners some hope of those who are struggling with depression or they know of someone who's struggling a good dear friend or family member of of moving towards more and more hope what was helpful for you there were two early statements that are so unconventional but they were so good i've never forgotten them that my first counselor said he said this he said tony i need you to know your fears are real but there's nothing real about your fears think on that one for a while he knew I would understand that in my head, every fear I had, every figure I saw, every voice I heard, and I'm not talking about I was hearing voices. I wasn't at that scale. But the inner talking in my head was very loud. I was in the world inside my head and didn't know it. And then I would get obsessed and consumed with certain issues and worry myself into a corner of a room. He said, here's what I want you to do with those worries to show you that your fears are real, but there's nothing real about them. I want you to schedule every Tuesday at 2.30, and I want you to go to this particular bench in the mall, and you sit down for 30 minutes and do all your worrying about all those things right there. That way you know you can worry about them, they'll be taken care of, and then you go off and do something else. I thought, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life, but I'm going to try it. I think it might work. (laughs) Did you really do it? I did not do it, but I took the advice metaphorically and realized that just because something is in my head doesn't grant it any kind of reality it's just there we're going to come back with that very thing we're going to take a break we'll be right back here on Solid Step 3 Iroquois Family and Cosmetic Dentistry Dr. Eric Veal has been Sponsor of our show since the beginning. If you need your teeth cleaned, overall dental health, Dr. Eric Veal can take care of you. He's got two locations in the Louisville area, one in Iroquois Park area, and then the other in eastern Jefferson County. That's Iroquois Family and Cosmetic Dentistry. And Frank Enterprises, they are a professional septic tank landscaping and wastewater management company. If you have water outside your house that's not going where it's supposed to go, or you have septic tank issues or any landscaping needs, Frank Enterprises can take care of you. Their years of experience will come through, and you will be thankful you called them. Solid Steps Radio is the program. I'm Mike Beck. Kurt Souter is here, manning the captain's chair. I'm just happy to be a co-pilot today. And Tony Rose is the guest. And Tony, you were talking to us about the bench in the mall. When it was such a powerful story and, 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 and really insightful, that gentleman that was spoke, speaking with you. You didn't actually do that, though, did you? You didn't go there, but, but you kind of did in a metaphorical way. How did that start the process to find your footing and find a path out? Well, I think I would say it this way. It gave me a piece to sound-mindedness, a foundational stone to that, and it is this. 
Now, it took it a while to grow. It's very slow early on, so you can't get up or down over progress. You just learn to take one step at a time. But what it did for me is it helped me begin to get clear on I live in two worlds. Every human being lives in two worlds, the world inside our head and the actual world outside our head. And the more we live inside our head and interpret things and see people the way we think they are instead of as they are, the bigger our problems get. My problem was depressive and depression and obsessive thinking. And I was so inside my head, I didn't know who or what I was. And if it weren't for other people around me reflecting back truth, it would have been tough. It would have been really tough. I'm going to ask you a question about you moving forward and what really helped you. But I want to go back. Did you identify or were you able to identify like when this pathway started? Were you able to, um, you, you, I'm assuming there's some lies that you were beginning to embrace and believe in. Talk to our listeners about that. Yeah, I think there's, there's two types of vocabulary to use. There's vocabulary, actually three. One that we just make up, normal people use. There's biblical terms that use and are accurate. And then there's the clinical terms that we use. And that's helpful sometimes, not helpful sometimes. We just get confused. Bottom line is we're all screwed up to some level. <laughs> so Is that an amen, Mike? That'll preach. <laughs> that'll preach. Yep. The first thing, we have to get comfortable with our humanity. We don't live in Eden. We live in a fallen world. So you're messed up. I'm messed up. But the more we know we're messed up, the sounder minded we all are. We just don't take ourselves that seriously. And that was yes. one of my main problems. I took myself with extreme seriousness. When God said, I want you to do something, it's just like he was my head coach. How high do you want me to jump? How far and fast do you want me to run? Well, I read a book by Michael Horton, Putting Amazing Back into Grace. He's got one little section in there that says, jumping through hoops is for circus animals. <laughs> and I that love jumping through hoops. And God just said, okay, Tony, you want to play my, that game? I'll just keep raising the hoops. And he let me hang myself, and God did not get me off. So depression, it taught me a lot about grace, too, and how to take my brokenness to the cross as well as my sin. Mm. My depression, I do not think, was caused by personal sin. I went to one counselor who did me more harm than good, tried to convince me that I had a sin problem. I just finally looked at him and said, look, Doc, you could write my entire life across the sky with an airplane. There is nothing in me I am ashamed of. And that was the truth. Morally, I was straight up. But internally, I thought I was condemned of God, to be honest. I was scared to death I was going to hell. Well, and, and, and you're pastoring. Uh, yeah. You're pastoring. Can you see my red face even still? Oh, I, you know, uh, and, and so uh, to me, this, Tony, this gives hope to all of us. Because if you yeah. are struggling with this, and I've got a dear friend who has also, he's been in pa a pastor in ministry for years, and he has struggled with depression and, and had to work through that. But I, I want you, our listeners to hear from you what were some handles that helped you come out of that. Obviously, you said Joey, your wife, was a huge piece of that. But talk to our listeners yeah. about some other handles. 
the most specific I could get is I had huge advantage a lot of people didn't. I had a very supportive wife and a supportive extended family, even though we were far from them. And I had an understanding church, which a lot of people don't have. Pastors aren't supposed to get depressed. Um, I wrote an article in SBC Life once, the Southern Baptist Convention's magazine thing, and said, if your pastor stood up on Sunday morning and said, I've been to my doctor, and he suggested I go see a therapist, they both have concluded I'm depressed and I need to take six weeks off. Would you let him take six weeks off or would you fire him? And it wouldn't be like it once was when I was first in ministry, but there are some churches, they wouldn't want that guy to be their pastor because they didn't think he'd be qualified. That depression probably would qualify him to shepherd their hearts more than anything he's ever been through. And I never did answer your question. It's steps. So <laughs> the support, going to a counselor and being humiliated by having medicine prescribed to me. I was going to beat this, me and God, faith. Medicine to me was evil. It was a cop-out. It was cheating. And the first medicine prescribed to me, I obsessed so much over. I totally counteracted any positive the medicine could have done for me. <laughs> that, that's really false thinking. And thank God the church has better roots than that. All the way back to Augustine, he said, now, if you take this herb and grind it up and mix it with other ingredients and take it, that's medicine and science. But if you hang that herb around your neck and say, that's going to make you feel better, that's superstition. Medicine, we're not perfect. Anybody that knows psychopharmacology knows there's still a lot of guessing going on. But when you're at death's door and your life isn't functioning and there is a medicine that God has allowed man to create that can put you back on your feet and give you the ability to do the hard work to get well, that's a wisdom decision. It's, it's not a spiritual decision. It's not a moral decision. It's a wisdom decision. And it's a physiological. Without question. That it's going to help your whole system because God has given us not just a mind and not just a soul, but he's given us a body. And it's all, it's, it's just beautiful. We are beautifully and wonderfully made and created. I don't know who first said it, but it's one of those great statements. Our body and soul are so close again, they catch one another's diseases. And if you're sick physically, Last a long time, you might get sick emotionally. If you're sick emotionally, you will more than likely get sick physically. Yeah, there's a direct correlation. So, so when when you started taking some medication, were were you able to tell other people? Not up front. I was too ashamed. Um, the deepest level of shame I ever felt in my life was the morning when Joey woke up and I told her, "Honey." I said, I can't go to church today. I cannot go and preach to those people about Jesus helping them and being Lord and Savior when I don't know how to let him help me. And my precious wife got a pulpit supply that day, and as I said earlier, the other part drove us home. And then we got the counselor. I got medicine. I just couldn't tell anybody I was taking it. I was too embarrassed. Um, it was a weakness. It was a flaw in me. But thankfully, I'm quite far beyond that now mm. because I'd rather be take this is crude, but I would rather be taking medicine and be alive than be dead. That's how serious it is. 
Yeah. And there's people who struggle to that point. I mean, I I was the psalmist. Was, you know, and that was Elijah. You know, he's out in the, he he said, you know, God, take me. A Jonah said, God, I'd, I'd rather die. Moses. Moses. I mean, these are good and awesome godly people, and yet they struggled with this level of depression and this level of discouragement. Do you have thoughts, Mike? Well, it's just this idea of shame is this, this almost mm. like this scarlet letter or mm-hmm. badge that we wear that we think everyone sees uh, that's really not fair because even in Scripture, Jesus is acquainted with grief. Now, I know grief and depression are not the same thing, but many times grief can be a, an entry-level drug to depression. It can take mm-hmm. people down into that valley and leave them there. Uh, he understands, and, and this is what he came to deliver us from. Why would we think there would be shame in that? There's no shame in overcoming a, a moral failure or a, or a sexual sin or some other character flaw. Why is there shame in depression? I think that's why we have, or the reason for the shame is because we have spiritualized it. Um, we either make it sin caused we got to hunt out the sin in this person's life so we can get rid of their depression it's very false thinking uh, or we make it a weakness that their faith's not strong enough they just can't trust them yeah it's I, I, I think it's very prevalent in the church we're going to take a break we'll be right back uh, with Solid Steps talking with Tony Rose and with Mike Beck on, on uh, Solid Steps Radio Ellen and Credit Union has been around the Louisville, Kentuckyana area for decades. They can help you with every financial need that you have, whether it's personal, commercial, you need a home loan, car loan, Ellen and Credit Union can take care of you and all of your financial needs. Bright Star Home Care, if you have someone that you love and care for that needs in-home care, whether they need one visit a week or they need 24-7 care, Bright Star Home Care is your very first contact to start that process and find out what's best for you and your loved one. We also want to thank podloo.com. That's Louisville Podcast Studios. If you want to do a professional-sounding podcast or videocast, you want to look and sound great, Louisville Podcast Studios is your contact. Go to podloo.com. That's P-O-D-L-O-U.com. Solid Steps Radio is the program. I'm Mike Beck with Kurt Souter. Actually, I'm with him on the show. Happy to be here. <laughs> Tony Rose is our esteemed guest. Great to have you, Tony. And you were talking at the last segment. We were kind of hearing your story about uh, all those steps uh, where you were beginning to get a handhold, where you were getting some hope, uh, where people begin to step alongside you and support you, your wife, your family, your church, even finding a medication that could be helpful and you work past the shame of that. That's all process and some progress. When did you begin to know that you had started to turn that corner? Like when did the the smile, the glint come back in your eye? For me, there were two, but uh, far and away, the number one was when laughter started again. But above that, when I could laugh at myself, mm. the greatest sign of health I've seen 
for years now in people who are struggling in this way is when they can laugh at themselves. Some of the things I thought and felt were so ridiculous, but in that moment, so real to me, that as soundness comes back to the mind, you look at it and go, I was worried about that. And you begin to laugh at yourself instead of being ashamed. And by the way, studying the word ashamed or shame in Scripture is beautiful to me because the gospel tells us, Jesus tells us through the gospel over and over that those who trust in him will not be ashamed. And what that means is, number one, we'll never be ashamed because we believed in him. And then in the end, everybody saw we were wrong. No, we believed in him. Everybody saw we're right. But it also means we'll have no sin shame because he took not only the sin, but the sin and the shame away. Mm. So we're the ones who won't ever be ashamed. That's beautiful. It is beautiful. That is really powerful. So, Tony, you, you mentioned in the break, you, you were doing uh, uh, I, I, Jonah. Jonah, yeah. Just, just yes. you know, Jonah. And you said, remind me about Jonah. So here we are. I'm reminding you. Yes. Well, Jonah's one of those three great men who asked God to take his life. Um, his picture is not quite as good as Moses and Elijah, but still, that was helpful to me that these prophets God used. Well, I, my father-in-law's in heaven now. He was a bivocational pastor, knew the word about as good as anybody I knew. So I walked in their house one day in Corbin, Kentucky. He's sitting there in his recliner with a Bible open on his lap, as it always was. He said, Tony, I've been contemplating on Jonah. I said, yeah, what's that, Ernie? He said, God sure was gracious to Jonah. I said, he sure was. What do you got in mind? He said, well, did you know there was more than one exit from that fish? <laughs> I told that at his funeral, and it happened just like this. Everybody paused and thought, what? Oh, no. And <laughs> just died laughing. <laughs> Oh my goodness. <laughs> I have never thought of that. That is one of the, it, it's funny, but it's a great insight. It's a great, it's Mike, profound. Mike, have you ever thought of that? <laughs> never once. Never. Never. I have entered I have. my mind. <laughs> I, you know, it will never leave now either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Once it's there, it does not go away. That's right. You can't unsee this. Oh my goodness. Thank God well, I'm not Jonah. Oh, and the wisdom of your father-in-law. Wow. So uh, I want you to talk a little bit about laughter. Yes. And 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 how that helps um, uh, move us out and into a greater freedom. There's not a human that's ever lived that doesn't know laughter is good. When we laugh, our whole body feels it. And if we could really have instruments that climbed inside and measured, and we've got a few we would be flabbergasted at all that happens when the human being laughs. When we, when we laugh, well, the Bible says uh, laughter is like good medicine. Cheerfulness is like good medicine. Yes. And so literally it physically changes our, 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 what's going on in our bodies. Without question. When, when, when you hear that, Mike, what do you hear? I just think of some of the best friends and best times I've ever had. And after spending hours just laughing and enjoying each other's company, I get the best sleep I've gotten. Mm-hmm. I feel I feel a better sense of well-being. And I never really thought about it till we were having this conversation. I'm thinking back. I'm going, those were the times I felt strong, felt mm-hmm. whole, felt centered, and I didn't really contemplate it at all. I just knew I felt good. And it wasn't simply because of the jokes or the silliness, but 
there was something physically happening in those times of great laughter. And it does have a physiological component, doesn't it? Oh, without question. And you were getting God's best medicine through God's best avenue. Our triune God created us out of his perfect relationship into relationship. He never intended that we would be loners. Relationships are the DNA of life. So when we get our laughter through relationships with other people, that's about as deep discipleship as you could get. The church is just sometimes way too serious. Laughter is a good thing. By the way, before I forget, the depressed Christian that's really depressed will almost fuss at themselves for laughing. Really? Because depressive thoughts in the believer typically go religious. A term for that is called scrupulosity or scruples. And they have marks and measures for everything. More rules to live by than God ever made up. And how you dress, how you look, how you speak to people, uh, what you think. And you, you can destroy the fun center of your life to where you don't know how to laugh anymore. Depression is deadly like that. Wow. Listeners, uh, go ahead, Mike. I was going to say, I, that's something uh, I don't have many things that I would say as wisdom from my church. But one of the things that I've said to people a lot is that there are times in a service, even in a serious message, there'll be these moments of levity or lightness. And I've actually scolded the congregation a couple times when they looked at me like, what are you doing? It <laughs> seems a little weird to laugh at this point. And I said, you know what, if you can't laugh here, you're going to be miserable in heaven because there's a joy unspeakable that we're going to step into. What do you think that looks like? I'm not saying that everything's a joke. Don't get me wrong. Churches should be happy places, uh, and it yes. drives me crazy when we're all dour all the time. Well, I wonder what the disciples in the crowd thought when Jesus told the story of the beam and the speck. <laughs> I think that was probably some divine humor. This guy got a big beam sticking out of his eye, and he's turning his head, knocking everybody out to take a little speck out of this guy's eye. That, that's sarcasm and humor. Oh, my yeah. word. And I think the, I think the Lord Jesus was far more funny, uh, uh, funnier than we can even imagine at times. I think yeah. his humor and his level of humor was so powerful, and, it, and it's part of healing. So, uh, wow, this hour has flown by. It has flown by. Tony, um, would first of all, thanks for coming in. Great Mike, thanks for joining us, thanks and uh, it's just been a joy to have you guys. And uh, Tony, would you pray us out? And would you pray for the the listeners who maybe might be struggling with depression or, or hardship or difficult times? Would you pray for them? I would be glad to. I want to say a couple of words to lead into the prayer. Sure. Hebrews 4.13 to me was the scariest verse in the Bible. We are all naked and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Most people don't know 4.13, but they know what follows. We have a high priest, Jesus, the Son of God, who's passed through the heavens. And he goes on and tells the whole story and says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. When we know God knows us and knowing us fully invites us, when I thought I was worthless was when God wanted me to come to him the most. He wants to help and heal. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that more than we could even comprehend, you understand the nth degree of our worries, of our thoughts. And just like Adam and Eve, we tend to want to run and hide. But you seek us out. 
And you, by grace, point out those things and say that you will either forgive, cleanse, heal, or comfort. You are the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. And with everything we suffer, you have a specific comfort for. You've promised that. So help us realize that there's not an instant thing that takes pain and suffering away. It is a teacher. But the truth that we believe is that you are good and that nothing can come our way that you will not work good out of. So for your glory and our good, may we receive your grace today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks, Tony. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for listening, guys. Welcome uh, uh, back to Solid Steps next time, and we'll see you then. Thanks for listening. With every step I take, I am staying.